TED Audio Collective. Okay. <coughs> this is Zigzag. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and I'm here with my work wife, Jen Poyant. We are the co-founders of Stable Genius Productions, and we are here to launch season four of this show. Hi, Jen. Hi, Manoush. Hi, everyone. Okay, Jen, exactly one year ago, we started our company. We filed the paperwork, got the Twitter handle, all that stuff. And on season one, you heard us figuring out how to start a company because we recorded it all from boozy meetings at bars to weepy confessionals. Listening back, Jen, I think sometimes we sound so naive, but other times, like, you can hear the fire in our bellies, and that was kind of crucial to the whole thing. So what are we going to do now? So on this episode, we're going to talk about what we learned from our first year. We're going to go through the parts that sucked. Yep. The things that we unexpectedly loved, what worked, and what didn't. So listeners, if you have been here all along, thank you so much. You are an integral part of this show. And all the emails and voice memos and questions that you have and morale boosts, frankly, have helped us figure out how to keep going and where to go now. If this is your first time listening, yay. Our little company has already gone through a lot of zigs and zags. Um, Jen, I'm going to shut up soon, but real quick, I want to just list the highlights of what has happened to Stable G over the past year and how we have stayed afloat. Uh, We were part of an experiment to use blockchain technology to help journalism. The money from that project gave us the guts to quit our jobs, and it was sort of like seed funding, but we don't have to pay it back. Strange but true. Speaking of quitting our jobs, as listeners heard on season one, we were super sad that we had to leave behind our previous podcast, Note to Self, uh, when we left WNYC Studios because we don't own that show. But in a surprise twist, we recently made a deal with WNYC to reboot Note to Self for a new podcasting platform called Luminary. I never would have predicted that would have happened. Boom. And finally, this show, ZigZag, it has evolved. It has evolved into a vehicle or testing ground for us to figure out what kind of company we want to build. Because let's be real, the first year, our goal was pretty much to just survive. But now I think we have lots of questions that listeners likely have too, whether they own a business or they're working on a special project at work or just for themselves. Yeah, these questions about, like, how big do we want to be? What do we want to make? Will that keep paying our bills? Will we be fulfilled by that? How can we continue to grow without sacrificing the ideals that prompted us to quit our jobs? These are good questions. Uh, And we don't know the answers, to be clear. But we are going to go find them on season four. We are going to find the people experimenting with new ways to do business from Techies building products that actually respect people's privacy to entrepreneurs who are okay with being small but mighty. Maybe they're not asking for 100 extra turns. There is so much we can learn from what I think is actually kind of a new movement to chart a kinder, sustainable, collective path forward for work and life. Do I sound like a commie red person? You sound idealistic. Well, so be it. Jen, actually, we wrote up some words in Google Docs to describe what we're going to be doing this season. Can you read it out loud? Zigzag takes an honest look at the culture of business and what needs to change. 
Journalists turned entrepreneurs Manoush Zamarodi and Jen share their own struggles to build an ethical business and remain grounded human beings, all while investigating how other founders and creators are resisting the winners-take-all mindset and redefining success for themselves and society. How was that? I think it was good. Our old tagline was charting a new path for capitalism, journalism, and women's lives. I think this is more encompassing, and I think we are ready to move forward, not leave that stuff behind, but just... It's, no, it, it still fits in that realm. We've just evolved it a little bit. Yeah, I really like it. Let's play a montage of what people are going to hear in season four, just to give them a taste. There's a winner, there's a loser. If the business owner wins, the client loses. If one person gets promoted, everyone else lost because that took away from the bonus pool. It perpetuates this mindset that, like, there's never enough. We now look at our own personal worthiness through the lens of extraction. We look to feel worthy through the money that we have or the power that we have or the beauty that we have or the sexiness that we have. We are so starved for meaning, for narrative, for human connection that we've perverted the system beyond all recognition, and our God is money. What's your individual response? responsibility is just as important as the overall big picture. Good news is, if we can convince everyone that we all want the same thing, which is more sustainable ways of living, the market will follow it. Venture capital is steroids. So as a founder, if you go to raise, you raise with venture, you're basically saying, I would like steroids, and I would like Soylent, and I would like to not sleep, and I would like to eat this culture. If people can only speak up when they have a solution, you as a leader are never going to hear about the biggest problems that are just too complicated for any one person to figure out how to solve. There's a very large market opportunity in very small groups. That was my fortune that I got the other day <laughs> at the Chinese restaurant. <laughs> small opportunities represent big enterprises. I'm kind of loving the montage because some of those people are famous, some of them are not, but they've all got really inspiring ideas, but not just inspiring ideas, pragmatic lessons uh, and ways of implementing how to do life a little differently. And I do not think you need to be an entrepreneur necessarily or a founder, whatever, to learn from them. No, I think, design your life. Yeah, totally. And also do right by your family and your community and maybe the world more generally. There I go being idealistic again. Do you think that is too much to ask? I do not. <laughs> but before we go forward, let's take some deep breaths okay. and dive into the lessons that we've learned over the past year. Because I think... I think people will take away a lot from our triumphs and failures, our wins and losses. Yeah, let's be let's get real about, as you say, what has sucked and what's been awesome about year one of our business. What a year. What a year. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. We're back. It's Zigzag. I'm Anoush. She's Jen. And in preparation for this episode, Jen, I asked you to think about what you have learned over the last year as an entrepreneur, as a creative partner, <laughs> as a mother, 
and you came up with a lot of things. Like, to be clear, you are driving this episode. Um, you came up with tips. You also came up with, like, really big philosophical tape- takeaways. Tapeaways. That's, like, perfect for, like, a radio. <laughs> These are called tapeaways. Because we've been calling this last year kind of our real-life MBA. MBA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, but if you're going to keep going day in and day out and take the risk of paying yourself and paying other people, those lessons have become really fundamental experiences for me. And you actually are backing up those ideas with tape that you have gotten out of the archives to play for all of us, correct? Yeah, I've sort of broken them up into wins and losses um, as a way to think about them. So you can learn from both, but there are moments that are certainly big highs, but... Summer lows. Okay, so let's start with the first unexpected win for you in your first year of being an entrepreneur. Okay, I'm just going to put it out there and say that I've learned that people respond very positively when you've worked really hard for something and proven your ability, and then you tell them what your weird-ass dream is. (laughs) Hello, ZigZag. One key theme to your show is changing the game and documenting your journey as women in tech. You wear multiple hats as working mothers. Uh, How you managed to do that, I still don't know, but hats off. Good morning from Paris, Manouche and Jen. I'm counting on people like you who are doing amazing journalism and looking into technology in the future to help me better envisage what the world's going to be like for my kids and how I can prepare them for it. So you guys, thank you for all your hard work. Hi, Jen and Manouche. This is Emily from Taiwan. Your courage to start your own business and the enthusiasm for journalism really inspired me. I feel that I have more confidence to do things because of your inspiring stories. So thank you, Jenna Manouche. Thank you for like um, planting a confidence seed in me. Thank you for making me believe more that I can do something in my life. Hey, Jenna Manouche, this is Heidi. I wanted to give you a little bit of my story and tell you how unbelievably grateful I am to have you two to listen to on this extremely crazy wild ride that is 2018. I'm part of, I feel like I have a little bit of a tribe as I sit here in my office in the basement of my house. Thank you. Thank you for your real, authentic, transparent, We don't really know what we're going to do, but this is how we're going to figure it out because that has helped. So I am listening. I am on the journey with you. Thank you so much, ZigZag, Manush, and Jen, um, for all that you do. I absolutely love the podcast and am uh, fascinated by each week's episode. I look forward to it always. Hi, ladies. It's Sarah and Sydney here. Thank you so much for such an honest and sometimes brutally honest episode you two really bared your souls and as uh, as a, a a woman as well who works in actually in tech it's a really hard thing to do you sort of I found that so refreshing and I feel it heart I find it really heartening and and um, I think that's what a lot of us zigzag listeners have come to love about your podcast zigzag listeners are the best for um, sure when we left public radio and we left WNYC, we started this weird zigzag project, this weird cryptocurrency experiment. We asked people to join us and Pause. to play along. If you're new here, yes, we were into like this <laughs> blockchain <laughs> crypto thing. It was not uh, unethical or like against SEC rules. It was 
pretty idealistic. It was very idealistic. And because people trusted us, because we'd worked so hard at, at Note to Self and at WNYC for so long, and we had our cred, we said, why don't you guys come along with us and play? And they did. And it was so gratifying to, to see. And it was also probably not completely fun for everybody, but they still did it. Yeah. And then here's another example. When we left WNYC, we told the folks there that we wanted to keep making Note to Self. And we weren't sure if they heard us. You know, we said, we love making this show. We feel the need to move on, but we still want to make it if there's a way to do that. Oh, we did not think it was going to happen. Like, I got a weird call that was like, hey, so there's this company called Luminary who really loves Note to Self. Why don't you and Jen make it? And WNYC Studios will be the production partner, too. And, and like, bizarrely, the show is back after being a year away. Did you think it was going to Wait a minute. No. You thought it was going to happen? I, I left Note to Self for dead. No, we both, we had to. But what I'm saying is, like, we we made it clear that we would make we would continue to make that show if we could make that deal with WNYC. At the time, they were like, "No, we're not we're not doing this deal." But the right opportunity came along, and they came back to us. The door was still open. It's pretty cool. I can give more. You want me to give more? Are they good ones? I think so. Okay. When we first started, you had talked a lot about your respect for the comp- for Mozilla. Yes. This ethical tech company. Yeah. And you approached them uh, about potentially sponsoring us. And they did. And it's just a small example, but there are these moments that I think in business where you really have to put yourself out there. And you're so good at this. You're so good at, like, thank you, business development and and showing, you know, that you've worked really hard for something. And when things align, that it's right, people will respond. If you didn't know, listeners, I have been um, hosting the Firefox podcast, which is called IRL. And that's uh, introduced us to other podcast producers, Pacific Content, who are awesome yeah. and lovely. I feel like we're growing this kind of ecosystem. Yeah, it's like a network of really cool, really smart, good people that are all working in these slightly different disciplines, but that we all can rely on each other. That's the thing is like you can approach business as we've talked about, that, that winner take all, like just like get the deal and make the money. But it feels like... We're trying to connect ourselves with the right folks and to create the right connections for also a value system. No offense. Maybe you won't take this as an offense, but there is such a thing called manifesting. This is where you, the idea of like, I don't know, it wasn't like Oprah, the secret or something. Like you put the idea into the universe and it's like a boomerang and it comes back and knocks you on the head. Is this what's happening, Jen? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say it. I don't care. All right. It sounds cheesy, but I've learned that if you work your butt off and use your talents and then ask for support, it'll happen eventually one way or another. It might not happen in the way you think. But right. It, right. That support happen. might be in the form of a conversation, not a pile of money, but it's support that might be right at the time anyway is what you're saying. Kind of. You're I, like, no. It's, it's <laughs> like, actually not. Well, managed. no. I mean, it <laughs> might end up being a pile of money if that's what your goal is. But I think our goal is bigger than that. That's all I'm saying. Oh, bigger than a pile of money. I mean, a pile <laughs> of money would be nice. I want that too. Yeah. Right. We'll get to that. I, I think that actually brings us to your second point. Right. The thing that I've learned, which I'm pretty excited about because it took us a while to get there. But when we first started out, we weren't sure whether we wanted to go straight for the VC money 
and just grow big, 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 or grow the company slower. And we've chosen the slow route for now. And I think it's been really smart for both our lives, <laughs> but also to really explore this deeper idea about um, the nature of the, the type of business we want to grow. I think that's a very good point because early on we had a lot of opportunities like a former president's communications office gotten in touch and was like, will you make a podcast for him? Mm -hmm. I would say him or her, but that's wrong, not possible. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of sponsored content people getting in touch and none of them were companies that we felt that excited about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We could have done that, but I think you and I were like, no, because for us, as much as we love podcasts, this idea of forging a new way, like finding a way in these accelerating times, whether that's with your business and your livelihood, like at ZigZag, whether it's note to self and, and your tech, or whether it's actually with IRL, which is kind of like a bigger look at internet and how it changes society. So far, uh, we have not gone into debt. We have not taken on any investor money. We are cash flow positive, as I learned this year, uh, is what it's called, which is great. Do you want to play some tape now of where we've been, what we're doing? Yeah, so the first three cuts of tape that I have, they all kind of have to do with those with these conversations about, you know, how do you attract investment? How do you want to grow? Those questions that we're talking about. So this first cut of tape is us speaking or kind of pitching with uh, Jess Verley, this uh, VC oh, funder. Really? You're playing that? Yeah, because I think her question was very pointed. It's something we've had to think about a lot. She's a big investor in Silicon Valley, and she, yeah, sh she asked a lot of pointed questions. And to be, and just to, if you want to hear the full conversation, it's from season one where we went out to San Francisco to tell her that we were, you know, we quit our jobs and we were starting a company, and she was very patient with us. <laughs> How big of a business is this? Mm -hmm. Is this the next, like, massive, like, global media company? Is this the seed of something that can be really big? I'm going to say no. I've decided, no, it is not the next massive global media company. We've seen what scaling information does. It creates a lot of nonsense. It creates a lot of fake news. It creates a lot of confusion. It creates a lot of unfocus, frankly. And so there's a retraction period happening in news where we are hunkering down into niche, small, quality journalism and frankly, things like we do, right, which is hopefully become a sort of guide, a place where you can come to get information about how you live by bigger bigger ideals. I think we have bigger ideals. I don't think we're a bigger company, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand why it couldn't be a global media company. Like, you're saying absolutely not. You're saying no just because we need to stay niche and focused. But what we do should attract a broad audience, I think. Okay. Could, should and could. The wellness industry back in the mm. day seemed niche. That's true. No, you're right. Tell me who you're going to play us next. All right. The next one is was the person that we went to see right after we went and saw Jess Verilli mm. in San Francisco, Roman Mars. Roman Mars, if you're not familiar, he's he founded Radiotopia, the collective of podcasts that we are part of, and that allows us to own ZigZag, which is great. And they sell ads for us, which is great. We went to see Roman and basically for financial advice because we were, you had, I think, two months left in your bank account, enough to pay the bills. Yeah. Okay. What do you tell us? He told us a lot of things. Media is a bad startup and a good business. Because it doesn't 
return money the way they want it to. And if you do, you have to grow and make things that you don't care about. But if you just want to make a show and pay yourselves, you can do that. Okay. <laughs> First of all... I'm laughing because, like, can you do that, Jen? It's still really hard. I don't know. Well, we haven't done that. I think part of it is that we live in New York City and we're two women that have kids and we want to maintain a relatively decent lifestyle, like middle-class lifestyle. Oh, we have a mortgage that needs to be paid. You have rent that needs to be paid. Yeah. So right as of right now, we have not grown our numbers enough to make a show that people love. And I think there are some people out there that really love this show and still pay even just you and me. Nope. With the sponsorship that we get from, from the show. What's interesting, though, to me is that the sponsor... We know that there are people who are very loyal, first of all, because they write us emails. But second of all, because a particular sponsor has said that the returns they get, the you know response rate that they get from our show is significantly higher than others. So despite our, you know, we're still a tiny show, I said that to someone. I was like, we're so small. And she was like, small but mighty. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right, actually. <laughs> like, That's true. And so I heard from someone recently that, Actually, there are smaller podcasts who are saying the premiums on these ads should be higher for us because our level uh, of return on every ad that's run is higher. Even if you have a show that gets millions and millions and millions of downloads, if nobody responds, who cares, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, again, though, we only want to run ads that we feel okay with, and we've said no to a lot. A lot. And also, oddly, we have the strange problem of so many brands wanting to advertise on our show, but we can't deliver enough impressions, as it's called, because our numbers aren't higher, which is weird. Like, like our download numbers. Right. Yeah. So, like, we're basically sold out on ads, but— We're too small. But we're too small, so we can't make more money unless we make more shows, which is going to dilute quality. Yeah, so we've actually talked about this on the editorial side about broadening— or reach a little bit in broadening even the editorial scope of the show in order to attract more listeners but still maintain high quality. It's a tricky business. Should we tell them what we're doing in Season 4 regarding that? Yes. Yeah, so we—this um, might make some of you sad, but I think you'll understand. Uh, we are moving away from the narrative form. Like, it's not going to be chapters. You won't have to have heard Chapters 1 and 2 to understand Chapter 3. They're going to be standalone episodes so that there are more— entry points for people, new listeners to come and to join us where they want to join us. I think it's just going to be easier for more people to be part of the zigzag crew to become stable geniuses. I hope so. I hope That's so, the goal. too. We'll let you know if it doesn't work. I have one more piece of tape about this growth conversation, and then we can move on. But I think it's a funny one because so much has happened Do it uh, recently in the world of podcasting. Maybe you guys will recognize this name, but we had this guy on season, season one, one, episode four, four, Matt Lieber, Gimlet. He's the founder, co-founder of Gimlet, which just was sold to Spotify for $230 million. Congratulations, by the way, to yes. both of you. The reason I'm bringing it up is just because they also gave us advice on finding investors. Mm. And... Um, what was there? Was it good advice? Let's hear it. And in the beginning, the the sophisticated investors, some some of them were like, "Hey, I just like love what you guys are doing, and I want to support it, and I want to go to the parties." And then some of them were venture investors who were like, "We want to get a ten to a hundred times return." Do you take then, those venture investor money? I mean, we took 
all of the above. As the company's gotten bigger and more successful and less risky, then the investors are like, we don't need 100 times, we don't even need 10 times, we need three to five times return over the next five to seven years. But if in seven years it's still growing and going well and you guys want to keep running it, like, that's fine too. (laughs) That's what their investors told them. Yeah. And here they they cashed out. Like, fast. Really fast. Four years. I mean, just to put it in context, like, Fortune magazine— is for sale for like a hundred million dollars. Like Huffington Post sold for a hundred and thirty million dollars. Two hundred and thirty million dollars for the Gimlet guys who were on our little show, season one, episode four. That's amazing. No, it's truly amazing. <sighs> they manifested. I'm just saying. Oh, they did kind of manifest. All right. Yeah, but I'm sorry. Can we just say it? It is easier to manifest if you are white dudes. Uh, that's not true. Yes, that is true. That is blatantly <laughs> true. I don't know. I have had so many recently conversations with white dudes who, like, okay, so I had a conversation with this guy who told me that when his project didn't work out at the company where he was working, he just stopped going into the office because he was so mad. I was like, what? Like, you can just stop going into the office. Well, that's not manifesting, though. That's bullshit. Okay, fair enough. But, (laughs) okay, fair enough. (laughs) Let's move on. Um, You can cut that out of the tape. Okay. Uh, where are we? So, I don't know. We just have this list of things that that we're doing to figure out, you know, the things that we've done. Here are our wins. Ready? Okay, go. We are building our inventory of products and services that we offer. Zigzag. Note to self. IRL, I'm hosting it. Our newsletter, which is awesome. Speaking opportunities. We want to get into events. We're going to do that. We're going to have a t-shirt, but we're going to expand from there. Pretty good for your first year. I think you're right. We built a team of freelance contractors that we can pay fairly. Right. This time last year, it was just the two of us. Now there's like a little stable of uh, contractors, like, I don't know, six of yeah. us. Seems like everybody's happy. If you're not, let's Let talk. us know. But, <laughs> but I, like, we pay well. We're not at the point where we can bring people on staff. But those people seem to prefer that in some ways. I don't know. Um, we're still trying to figure out this whole investor conversation. We understand, I think now, because we were such newbies before, that there is nuance uh, to what investment looks like. And I think we are open to that, what it could mean in the future. And also, we are open to the fact that there are new ways of investing in companies that are, like, really new. So we're going to talk about some of those on the show in season four, and maybe we'll end up experimenting with them ourselves. I think all of this is very positive. The slow growth... Um, has allowed us to have a little bit of space to kind of dream and figure out what innovative growth will look like for uh, year two. It's good. Thank you. Um, I feel positive. Okay. Net gain. <laughs> I, feel, I feel positive. <laughs> um, when we come back, should we go negative? Can we do that? You know I can't stand to be positive for too long. Sure. All right. I mean, we got to be real. Yeah, let's, let's get real after the break. Righty-ho, we are back. It's ZigZag. I'm Manoush. She's Jen. And sometimes running a business sucks. Let's talk about this. What's been the worst part? All right, what do you, what do you got? Uh, the financial stuff has been the worst part. Like, the nitty-gritty taxes. It's horrible. And to be fair, you have been the lead person on taxes and paying invoices. I've become like the IT department 
who... Yeah, you really have. <laughs> but you've kind of always been that way. Because I'm like I'm sorry. control freak. So the two of us, in addition to doing like what we actually know how to do, which is make audio and be journalists, we have really had to do the other stuff too. Well, I don't want to mislead people. We do have an accounting firm that's like great and helps us reconcile the books and everything. I think I would I would go crazy if we had to do it. Oh, all we would be like locked up because we had <laughs> the IRS would be totally. Like, what are you doing? No, as a matter of fact, I have to send in a check to the IRS this week. But it's fine. I will do it. <laughs> I swear to God. Okay. No, do you remember like a month ago I had sent this check in and I didn't put the, our EIN number on oh, the check yeah, and you yeah. were like. Dude, you got to put the EIN number on. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Shit. How are you feeling about all that? I hate doing it. I hate it. So we should. I feel like, I feel like I'm not great at it. But Well, that's where I think so. Year one, you kind of don't have a choice, right? Yeah. But year two, at this point, I think you and I, like what? I've said where this a couple Where do we want to spend our money? Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, what makes us money? You spending time figuring out 1099s does not make us money. You taking my pile of crap that I deliver to you <laughs> and turning it into a beautiful show that we can sell ad re- against, I would love that. that makes us money. Because, you know, I would I will say, like, me listening to that Zebras interview yesterday. Oh, this is going to be the first episode that's coming out. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. But I, I was like, should I be spending my time listening, like, deeply listening to this and then trying to figure out? what we're going to do with it, and then we spend an hour today brainstorming about it. Like, I love doing that, right? Versus what? Versus the 1099 thing. The time gets eaten up by that. And this and is I'm where, not very efficient at it either, so it takes up, like, more time than it probably should. I mean, I think there's a certain level of knowledge that each of us has to have just to be, like, you know, responsible adults sure. in this relationship that we have. On the other hand, though, I think that's what scaling is, right? Like, and I don't think, like, it's not scaling in a big way, but just, like, being like, what is going to allow us to grow more? It's by you and I making the stuff, period. So at this point, like, I, I and I'm terrible at this. I'm talking such a big game, but I am terrible. You are really bad at this. I know. It's funny. Tell I'm, I'm reading your mind right now. But Go ahead. Tell people, tell people what I'm thinking. Manu, she's like, let's hire someone to do that. And then we hire someone, and I'm like, can we have that person do that? And she's like, nope. <laughs> well, I think... <laughs> If we're going to get real, Poyant, that I think sometimes you're like, here you go, person. And they're like, wait, what are you even talking about? I don't no, understand. No, I'm, tra- I'm trying to get better about training them. Training's it's... hard. Training people is hard. Training it's people like hard. is trying really to, hard. Like, and I'm, I'm nudging you but in a like, loving s- way. But I think that's different because so far we have hired people who are part of the creative process. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about like yeah, nitty-gritty, nitty-gritty busy, business, business stuff. stuff. Yeah. Listen, I think we can do both. And we, actually we've hired – Lots of cool people that have worked out quite well. Usually what I'm joking with you about, <laughs> I feel like I hurt your feelings. No, it's okay. My feelings are easily hurt. <laughs> that It really has to do with the fact that we're generally often still figuring out our processes. Yeah. And it's just hard. Or sometimes I think what it is is I have a very specific idea about what I want something to be. And it's like— And people can't read your mind. Correct. And also— I know I'm going to be frustrated if it's not that thing. Like I, I, I guess I find it hard to know when I'm like, just do it yourself, stop complaining, get it done so you can move on, or putting in the time of, like, doing it with someone so the next time around it's easier. This has been my problem right, cause you, forever. Well, the hard part is, too, is we can't hire full-time people right now, yeah. right? So you don't know how long someone's going right, to stick with exactly. you, and then you spend all this time training them, and then they leave. Leave. 
So it's not, there's not an easy answer. No. I don't blame you. I just think it's funny. I think it's also when your product is a creative one, you know, it's not like we're making socks here. Totally. So. But then, but then that thing of like, maybe we should make socks. <laughs> Bombas. Exactly. Bombas is sponsoring Bombas us. Bombas is going to sponsor us. We're super excited about that. We, we really love are. Bombas. I love Because they really are squishy on your feet. And I'm saying that, like, having— I swear to I God, love I love them. I've got a pair on right now. Our, our, our like, test, they... no, our testers haven't arrived. I would have brought it for you. Okay. I was actually really excited I'm about that. I am, too. <laughs> this is not an ad. They have not paid us yet. We just really <laughs> like comfy socks. As you were saying. I think what I was going to say, but maybe you're right. Maybe because it's nitty-gritty, maybe we should just— hire a bookkeeper like it seems weird though like we hire a bookkeeper to work with our accountants yeah or or get them to do it i don't know i had a friend who ran an extremely successful floral business and she said to me i'll never forget this she was like never let anyone else control your books and i was like okay i never will i don't think i'm ever gonna need to worry about that but okay but here we are like 15 years later i'm like i don't know should we never let anybody else control our books I don't know. What are they going to do? Steal $10,000 from us? I don't know. I mean, I, I watch enough to know. Like, I'm always watching. Always. Well, if you're oh, mm, you're spooky. If you're always no, watching. I, mean, I just, like, want to see where it's going. You well, know? then maybe it is what we should do. Maybe it is, but then I just watch. Yes. <laughs> we sound so stupid. We're idiots. All right. <laughs> what else sucks? Let's see. Can I tell you what sucks? Yes. Can I just list our services right now? Yes. Asana, Slack, G Suite, Dropbox, Rev, which is transcription, Twitter, obviously, Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Who else? What else do we like have administrative? I feel like there's one. We're, one missing we're missing one big one right now. Whatever. And they all have their own like Slack. Mailchimp. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they all have their certain way of doing things and like it's it's crazy. I mean, this is actually real a real thing, guys. Like. <laughs> I'm sure everybody feels this way in any, like, professional setting anymore, but the amount of services that you have to interact with every day, and you're like, wait, where is that again? Yeah. Where? What? You have to be extremely organized extremely. to stay on the other hand, on track. it's amazing. Like, two people can start a company because they have, like, a stack of services no, that can great. run their whole business. It's incredible. It's just a little overwhelming for your brain. Yes, because Especially if you're are. trying to be creative on some other level. Yeah. Yep. Indeed. Okay, that part sucks. We're getting through it, though. I have, an, I think, an example of something that sucked, but that you turned into a win. Can we talk about working remotely? Yes. Just to give people a little bit of a little context here, I uh, have always had insano commutes. Always. In New York, because if you're a journalist, you can't, you just don't make a lot of money, I guess. So I was all over the place. I was in, like, Jersey City and then mm. Red Hook or whatever. And then when we finally left WNYC... I think I just completely burned out on the commute, and that was right right during the time when the MTA started to fall apart as well. So when we set up shop here, you were like, fine, it's fine. You can work two days a week here in Brooklyn, and then the rest of the time we got Rockwell. We got an office at a workspace, which was one block away from my home, so immediately a win for me on that one. Yeah. But hour, hour and a half commute for you. It turned into a way longer commute than I expected, too. Like, I thought it was going to be shorter than the WNYC commute, but it just wasn't. And so I was like, can I just play this one clip? Yeah. Of you trying to be compassionate about <laughs> this during the time where I started to melt down. I started to, like, consistently melt down about this. Morning. It's 840. 
on November 1st, the day after Halloween. I just got done setting up my babysitter, who's like a total lifesaver, and is watching Josh today, even though he has a fever and is willing to take him to the pediatrician's office if it spikes, which I feel really bad about, but she's fine with it and he seems fine with it. I think partly because I was up with him all night. Anyway, all that being said, I am getting on the train and I think I'm gonna make it to Argo Studios on time to record with Lauren and Phoebe. You can hear the like stress and like that you're on the verge of being like, can I just lie down on the platform please? <laughs> and. You were super nice about it, and that and that interview turned out great, and I ended up being 15 minutes late to the interview, which some people would be like, you're a fucking asshole. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're a p- producer. Are you kidding? You were just like, hey, guys, this is how we roll, and everybody was so nice. It was great. But anyways, it, like, consistently has been, like, a major issue for me. And So what's happened? You've— Stop coming into the office. Stop coming in. And it's kind of fine. It's fine, and it's it's massively changed my life. Really? How? Uh, well, I think I didn't realize how, just how stressful those commutes are, or they've just gotten worse, or I can't handle them anymore. So, like, the transfers and the delays and, like, not being able to predict, like, when you're going to arrive at a place, that's just all gone. So that's one thing. And I would work on the train, but it's way more productive to just subtract an hour and a half, actually three hours of your day. Three hours, Three hours. Of, un- of, like, not really productive work. Like, you're working, but you try not to miss your stop. Some asshole next to you is, like, burping on you. Like, oh, gross. You know, like, it just sucks after yeah. a while. Yeah. And so to, like, take all of that stress and energy out and then refocus it and, like, now I can I can go to the gym now. I feel immensely more healthy and, like— That's awesome. Um, to the point where sometimes I'm like, should I feel guilty about this? Why Why would you feel guilty about it? I don't know. Huh. Just because, like, it's so much better. Huh. It's so much better. Well, th- I'm so thrilled to hear that. Yeah. Oh, you just reminded me. We have a Zoom account. That's, well, we couldn't live with, that's the one, actually, because yeah. most of us are working remotely. Like, I couldn't live without it. It's We're awesome. We're all working remotely. Yeah, the yeah. team. It's freaking awesome. Does it change, like, does it change us creatively in any Sometimes, way? Sometimes. Actually, just today, when I came in today, I was like, I should I should be in here one day a week with you. Or every two weeks. Yeah. We got we to gotta get face-to-face more often, though, because, like, this morning we walked in and immediately—we didn't even have it on the on the calendar, but immediately we started. We were just in it. In it. And we came up with some really good creative ideas. Yeah. So that does. Yeah. Because, like, I think when we're remote, we get in those conversations, but, like— It's not the we same. We don't—like, pl- we're too—we have to schedule time to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen quite as organically. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I've noticed. So I should. All right. So we're finding the right balance. Yeah. That's a good but is it working for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've just been through this crazy period of travel. travel. So it really didn't make a difference to me. Do you right. know what I mean? Like I wasn't around. Like I was in freaking Cape Town or yeah. wherever I was. Yeah. So I would have been remote anyway. I'm also like a little bit of a loner. So after having done all these very social things out in the world, I, this sounds bratty, but going into the office at WNYC, I found very, I didn't have an office. I had like a cubicle and um, people wanted to talk a lot. And I found that very hard because yeah. I, I'm when I'm doing my deep creative work, I have to be quiet. 
And also the public stuff I do really takes it out of me. So like people wanting to stop by and chat at my desk did not work for me. Because you just can't do the work. You just can't. Right. You can't be interrupted all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is fine by me. I love going to a workspace where no one wants to chat <laughs> with me. <laughs> Even your business partner. Even my business partner. That's all right. I I, I won't take offense to that. All right. We're both insane. We haven't killed each other. And this whole startup thing seems to be working mostly. Jen's doing work like here in the studio. No, no, no. I just, (laughs) my thing went off and I had to bring the script back up. All right. So there's no, there's no. I'm going to go Can I, let me read the goodbye. Sorry. There's no long-term certainty. We are working on that. And we're going to keep you posted listeners on how things are going. Uh, all through season four, but you are going to be hearing from many other people who are also uh, looking for and finding and experimenting with new ways to make a living, to fundraise, to build products, and to keep our communities, the world, and our sanity in mind. Zigzag, I'm just going to read it again, takes an honest look at the culture of business and figures out how we make it better for our work and our lives. Episodes are going to be coming out every other Thursday for the next month or so as we get Note to Self back into production. Good news, I'm also hosting another season of the podcast IRL, which will be coming out this summer. It's made by our friends at Pacific Content for Firefox. The Stable Genius Network is growing. We created our dream podcast. Now we are building our dream network, eventually our dream company. And you, dear listener, are a huge part of that network. This is all one big experiment, and we are here to figure things out with your help and on your behalf. So here is the big question we want to ask you. How are you measuring success? You know, obviously it's tax time. One measure certainly is how much money did you make this year? But are there other things that you are measuring too? How much independence you have, maybe like Jen mentioned, like that she feels free and that really matters to her. Or how much time you have at the gym. Maybe that's really important to you. Or maybe it's how many paintings you do. Or maybe it's just one painting that you really just love that you made. Or or maybe it's cuddles with your kids. However you're measuring it, are you measuring it? No judgment here. Please tell us. The email address is zigzag at stableg.com. We would love you to record a voice memo. If you don't have time, that's cool. Write a quick note. Again, it's zigzag at stableg.com. And I mentioned this previously, but there's good news about our newsletter, which so many of you have sent me compliments about. Thank you. Over the coming weeks, the newsletter is going to evolve to encompass all the stuff we're doing here at Stable Genius. We'll talk about zigzag still, but we will also give you info about stuff that we talk about on Note to Self and IRL. And it's not just our podcast. We're going to link to the best articles, to events, to other people's work that we think you should know about. We are going to be focused on the stable genius stuff, which is about attention and technology and our well-being and how we build our businesses and our families because all those things are interrelated. You cannot tease them apart. Please sign up at zigzagpod.com. Or you can just email us at zigzag at stableg.com and I will sign you up myself. That is how strongly I feel about this newsletter. Okay, so we're going to talk to you in two weeks. Uh, we kind of have danced around what the next episode is about. It's about zebras. Jen, do zebras winny? I have no idea. I don't know either. Let's find out. This episode was produced by me and Jen Poyant. David Herman is our composer. Matt Boynton is our audio engineer. Many thanks to Dan DeZula. And to our newest member, Maria Wardall. 
Zigzag comes from Stable Genius Productions. We are proud members of Radiotopia from PRX. I'm Anoush Samarodi. I'm Jen Poyan. <laughs> Thank you for listening.